Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania and Kicking Out at Two presents Marking Out the Days. I'm Kobe Nida, part of the hosting squad, and I'm joined by Dave Rosenbluth, and we're here talking about Marking Out the Days. Dave, you want to give them a little preview about what this show's about? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks, thanks once again for having me on and being a part of this. It's definitely i'm looking forward to it and uh talking the history of pro wrestling basically what marking out the days is going to be it's going to be a show about you know important moments and maybe some not so important moments in professional wrestling history on that particular day so this show is going to drop every single thursday and this this week is december the 27th and on this day a lot took place in the history of professional wrestling we have birthdays we had some special events some controversial moments in wrestling Um, right yeah definitely so i mean each and every week every thursday on that particular date we're going to run down some of the more important events and the not so important events in wrestling history for you and we're just gonna you know have some fun with it like we always do yep and I'm glad to be I'm glad to be joined with you and kicking out at two, uh, and I'm 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 glad that Retromania can join with you and we can be like the mega powers of podcasting. Hopefully, we never explode. Um, no, but we we're here to like we're here to give you the retrospective and throwback look of like pro wrestling and just like run down like your memories and just like give you a feel good like feeling about everything right no absolutely we're not gonna just like we're not just gonna shit on everything about it you know no it's 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 i'm glad that you said that because it's kind of like my podcast and the and the the basis behind kicking out it too is that like i i want your 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 memories and your thoughts of your your time as a wrestling fan growing up without the opinions of the dirt sheets and without a Dave Meltzer the influencing your thoughts on what should or shouldn't be out there in the world yeah. of wrestling what was good and what was bad you know what yeah. i mean i want like your actual thoughts of when hulk hogan squat or was squashed by earthquake on the brother love show how did you feel right. about that what were, when, what, were, what was going rick, through your mind when that took place you know? right when that's rick what flair, i want. when rick flair tried to tap out eric bischoff you know yeah like that's what we want you know like yeah. that type of like feeling of where were you what'd you feel or what do you feel if you watch it now if you didn't know what it was you know yeah um so yeah, we want to bring new fans in we want to reminisce with the old fans we want to camaraderize with the current fan so that's what we're here for man i i i really love the um the idea of us teaming up here yeah i'm definitely i mean i i've always i mean i always love talking pro wrestling and it's great to have someone like you who's like-minded like myself in terms of how we like our wrestling and you know what we like about wrestling and things like that and it's it's great to have a partnership and to help spread the love of retromania as well as kicking out at two together and and just retro throwback pro wrestling at its finest i think it's going to be uh, i think it's going to be a lot of fun i don't expect an explosion of this mega powers but um i i expect a lot of cool fun things and fun memories to uh bring up as the the weeks go on here on uh, marking out the days, I agree. And uh, hold on one second, Dave. Oh, that's an explosion of bear right there. One man for the working man. 
Oh boy, we got a visitor in the studio. <laughs> it's my half-ass stone cold. That's uh, all right. That's all right. I, I got a f- I got a few impressions up my sleeve too that I'll uh, I'll, I'll break out. Pro- I might have a couple this week, but uh, I'll definitely you know if it, if it comes to mind and I can do it, I'll definitely give it a shot. I'll, I'll make an ass out of myself. I'm not afraid to do that. <laughs> so. Yeah, we can work it out. I, I'm yeah. not afraid either. Uh, I got a good friend. Shout out to my friend Evan Cronenberg. Ever. Uh, owner of the Savage Stash, um, authentic apparel and selling like retro wrestling clothes, clothing. He does a great Stone Cold uh, impression. It's awesome. So shout outs to Evan. I'd love to hear it sometime because I, yeah. I I used to, I used to do a Mean Steve Austin back in high school, and uh, as I've gotten older, I've lost I, I've lost the. Steve Austin a little bit, but you know I, I got I got a few up my sleeve. Oh, what? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I might I might surprise you this week on our debut episode. But <laughs> no, um, that's cool. I'm ready for it. Well, you ready to get it started? Yeah, man. I'm I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's do it, brother. Let's do this, man. Uh, should we start out with the birthdays? Should we like celebrate a wrestler's birthday? What oh. ki- what type of like is there a birthday theme song at all? Do we know um, anything of that? You know, I mean, we'll have to think of one along the way. Um, Usually when a wrestler has a birthday, he gets attacked, right? Or if, I mean, unless it's in their hometown. But, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not residing in anyone's hometown at the moment. So at least for these at least for these birthdays. So, I mean, um, I, I think uh, Cesaro, China, Bart Gunn, and Goldberg are all safe this week here oh, on nice. Marking Out the Days. But, um nice. Yeah, I mean, we can get started. Uh, Cesaro, uh, current SmackDown Live tag team champion in WWE. He just turned 38 years old today. December Um, 27th. Yes, December the 27th. Cesaro, happy birthday to the Swiss Superman. Personally, one of my favorites currently in WWE. Uh, I'm not going to lie, didn't really know much about him during his time in Ring of Honor. Uh, with with Chris Hero as the kings of wrestling, but when he came mm-hmm. to WWE and he brought that unique style, I fell in love with it right away because it was so different. So um, yeah. I, I I I got nothing but you know it's funny when I was on the Ken Reedy show, we used to do a a, a segment at the end of the show called the Nod of Approval, okay. and so it would basically consist of like if there was something that took place during the week in the world of wrestling, whether we saw something on TV or if we read something you know in, online or whatever the case may be, uh, we um we would just kind of say, you know what, this week my nod of approval goes to Cesaro for that unbelievable Cesaro swing of swinging the great Kali 87 times in the middle of the match or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. So Cesaro on the Ken Reedy show has probably got the most nod of approvals in the Ken Reedy show history. Oh, so, wow. um Yeah. So, the Swiss uh, but, scoreman. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely ranked up there for sure. But, yeah, I mean – Cesaro, he's a stud, man. He's 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 unbelievable, and they don't currently do enough with him. But the role that he has now, I, I, I like him and Sheamus as a team. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I I knew him from the Chris Hero and Claudio Castanoli um, tag team from ROH. Yeah, and I I more or less thought Chris Hero was the standout from that tag team. And uh-huh. lo and behold, Chris Hero didn't hold up in NXT. And uh, Claudio kind of worked his way up and had that match with Sami Zayn, a couple of them. 
uh, yep. by the way. Uh, yeah, those are amazing matches. And then I was like, wow, this guy is a, this guy is a star. Um, and I always had hopes for him and Chris Hero getting back together, but it really never came to fruition, did it? No, it didn't. I mean, uh, Hero became Cassius Ono. Uh, he was let go at one point, and then they brought him back, and he's just basically been kind of like the, um, uh, what's the best way to describe gatekeeper. Cassius Ono? The gatekeeper. Yeah, I mean, he's like the, um, he's like the, I wouldn't say he's the, the, the jobber to the, to the stars of NXT, but he's the, he, he definitely gives, uh, you know, the, the top guys that they are looking to groom, he gives them the rub and, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, you know, he's worked with, uh, uh, Matt Riddle and uh, a few other guys. And so, oh, um, plenty of them. Yeah. Ono, Ono's the experienced vet that's there to help. Uh, the younger guys in NXT and, and develop them to when they get to the main roster. But, you know, yeah, yeah C Cesaro obviously has gone on to bigger and better things in WWE since his time from uh, Ring of Honor. With, and uh, the bar keeps going on right now. Currently. Yeah. 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 No, they're pretty good. I, I, I dig them. There's not much I dig about WWE these days, but, you know, the, I, I, I dig watching them. Thumbs up for them, right? Yeah, absolutely. They, 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 yeah, but um, as as we move on with our birthdays here, um, yep. an individual who would have turned forty nine today, uh, the late China passing away a number of years ago. Um, not to speak ill of the dead, this may be an unpopular uh, opinion here, but I'll be honest with you, Kobe. I was not the biggest China fan. Yeah, I didn't. I did not understand the 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 dynamic and the logic at in 1997 with her pairing with 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 Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I didn't get it. Um, I understand it now. And if I had my 35 year old brain when I was you know 14 years old, uh, yeah. maybe I would have been able to appreciate um, what she contributed for for the the Hunter Hearst Helmsley character at the time. And I didn't even really like her with DX. I just thought like it was just really odd that like she's this quiet, muscular chick hanging around with a bunch of jerks. Yeah. You know, like I didn't understand it, and I I always I didn't really factor her in. Um, I, yeah. I warmed up to her when she separated from them, okay. and when she kind of did her own thing and her she was fighting the guys. Run? Yeah, I was okay. I was cool with that. I had no issues with that. I People agree. Lot, I agree. You know, but. Um, I will you know, say Dave, I, I was probably in the same place. Um, okay. I was probably very much in the same place. Um, I yep. didn't like her beating up on Marlena. And oh, I was confused not. about her being with Triple H because I was like, why does he need her? But now I get it. It was very heelish, you know? Um, but yeah, rest in peace to her. She She showed up and she did... A couple decent matches with that icy title stuff, but yeah, it, it, like Jericho didn't speak well of her. Uh, neither did Holly. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I guess for me, I, I, I do definitely remember the Playboy. Did you get yeah. the Playboy? No, I did not get the Playboy. I knew someone that did, and okay. <laughs> uh, like all like like all of us at that age, um, we all questioned 
her her, right, her sexuality right. yes, or her gender yes. at the time. Yep. Um, we all did. Um, you know, anyone who says they didn't is full of shit. Exactly. And uh, so I I I I scan those pages <laughs> to to uh, wonder if she was. Um, if she was who she said she was, <laughs> yeah, uh, to, exactly. to, to put it kindly. And, yeah, that was about it. I will say as far as, you know, towards the end of her time with uh, the WWF, um, I was actually optimistic about her run um, as the women's champion and when she was facing Lita yeah. um, in the spring of 2001. I thought there was good prospects of her, like, being, like, you know, the the, the big, you know, the big heater mm-hmm. that's just going to like run through the whole women's division. And then eventually they're going to build someone to eventually face her and dethrone her as the champion. You know, like that's, that, that's what I was kind of hoping that they were going to go with, with her. And then unfortunately she left and things didn't yeah. work out and she never came back. But, um, you know, no, I think that the was the period is, that I became lapsed. I'm sorry. That's like, that's no, the that's period okay. that I became lapsed. Uh, like, definitely expected her to do bigger and better things and it was like a lot of people got injured a lot of people got fired around the same time and it just like a lot of changes came in wwe within like a year or two and it just like it shook a lot of fans off you know yep yeah Yeah. absolutely and especially not going with her yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, to to put a period on the end of the sentence when it comes to China, I, I don't take away her contributions, um, and what she was able to do, what she was able to accomplish during her time. Um, I, and if we're gonna answer the question, does does she deserve a nod in the WWE uh, Hall of Fame? I was Fame? just gonna ask you a question, Mark. I, I mean, <laughs> I, you know what, I. <laughs> In the last several years, the individuals that they've put in that Hall of Fame, I look at every, I look at the WWE Hall of Fame as basically like a lifetime achievement award. Agreed. Um, just about, just about anybody gets in. Yeah. Um, and I've always gone back to, well, if Coco Beware could get in, then anybody could get in. So, um, I, I mean, for her contributions and what she was, what she was able to do during that time period when women's wrestling. Not you know mm-hmm. the women valleys, but when women's wrestling was a wasn't a big thing on WWE television, she she helped kind of usher that in a little bit. Right. So especially I would, by I would, pinning the men, you know. Yeah. yeah, she she made she made the women feel important on the yeah. show um, with her presence. So yeah, I guess you could say she she does deserve a spot in in the WWE Hall of Fame for her contributions, and and that's how I feel about China. I would definitely agree with you. All right, moving on to the birthday list. Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn. <sighs> smoking Gun, the only smoking gun left. <laughs> as yeah. Far as, like the other one's still firing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's up to. I mean, I've last time I I think the last time I heard he was involved in wrestling, I believe he made a convention appearance. He oh. did like a convention of some sorts. I want to say it might've been WrestleCon a few years ago okay. um, during WrestleMania weekend, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I can see that. What's your take on Bart Gunn? What do you, what do you remember well, him most for? The, the lesser of the two, I always was a Billy fan. Um, okay. Same here. Until the, the brawl for all. 
Yep. Where I knew it was shoot. You know, like even at yeah. my young age, I was like, wow, I know this shoot. Um, he goes into the match with Butterbean, and I'm like, man, he may have a chance. Boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> and then, like, after that, it was just, he was just buried and then never came back. And I just, um, I thought about him frequently. I was a bark gun, like, uh, Mark. I was a guy okay. for the underdogs. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll be honest, um, you know, smoking guns, they weren't bad. They were a solid tag team during a time period where tag team wrestling was not very important in the, in the WWE. No, uh, I agree. The brawl, the brawl for all concept um, was, uh, I, I think on paper it wasn't bad. I mean, I know it was very dangerous for what those guys went through, and a lot of people scratched their heads as to why they ever did that, but... It created opportunities for guys that didn't really get a chance to showcase their abilities and yeah. and see them in a different light. And Bart Gunn went from being, you know, bombat or bodacious Bart of the new Midnight yes. Express with Bob Holly to then <laughs> knocking Bob Holly out in that brawl for all and really making a name for himself. Mm-hmm. And that was during a time period where MMA was starting to creep in a little bit in the late nineties culture. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the, you remember the tough man competitions that oh, they I used to have. Do. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that used to be a big deal that like mix of boxing. I, I think that's I why I for sure it would have been a good gun. idea. What's that? I'm sorry. I think that's why I latched on to bark gun, you know, because that yeah. little mix of that toughness and that, that realism, because that yeah. was coming of age. You know, mm-hmm. of that era. Yeah. No, I mean, he's... It, it was it was a good opportunity for him. I think they put him in a terrible position with the whole Butterbean thing. Okay. Um, I mean, he had they had the opportunity to... He had an opportunity to stand out and do something on his own. And uh, unfortunately, after that WrestleMania, when Butterbean just basically turned him into a bobblehead doll... Uh, <laughs> You know, there was really nothing else that they could do with him at that point. Um, I don't know what he did after that. I want to say he might have worked some indies, maybe worked in Japan a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could be wrong. I didn't really do a ton of research on, on Bart Gunn. But, uh, yeah, most memorable for me is obviously his time in the smoking guns and then, of course, the uh, the, the infamous uh, brawl for all when it came to Bart. But, yeah, that's that, that's about it for me when it comes to Bart Gunn. Yeah, um, happy birthday, Bart Gunn. Uh, blow out the candles. Hope it's not a peanut butter cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. As we, as we continue the, uh, the birthday celebrations, probably the most notable name on this list, who we're also going to discuss later um, in this list, uh, Goldberg. Yeah. Ooh. Um, he he turns fifty two years old today, so happy birthday to the the man, the man Bill Goldberg. Not to be confused with the man Becky Lynch, the man <laughs> Bill Goldberg. Um, yeah, Goldberg was shit. Goldberg was cool, man. I yeah. I thought Goldberg, you know the the streak, and and we'll talk more about that. You know, were you as, into as, it at the beginning, or did you latch on near the mids, or like tell me about um, like, you coming to find Goldberg? Okay, I wasn't big on it in the beginning. Okay, but I you saw like it, one, right? 
Yeah, I saw the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw yeah, the beginning yeah. where, you know, the, he be humorous and then they did the interview and he didn't talk and then he was right. going through guys week after week and right. they were trying to find a place for him mm-hmm. um and i wasn't really i wasn't really into it and then i want to say it was the match with raven when he beat raven for the tight the u.s title and I just remember how loud that crowd was when he like speared Raven and he went through most of those guys in the flock. Yeah. And I was like, wow, he's cool. Like he's a superhero. Like I was a teenager, but I was like, wow, like he's pretty badass. Yeah. He you was. know, and it then like, it, it just kind of grew from there. So, um, I was definitely behind the, uh, the streak and uh i wasn't mad when it was ended and we will discuss that at length later on but um yeah goldberg uh it seemed like um after that streak ended it was really they kind of cooled his jets and i wasn't Mm -hmm. the biggest fan of his wwe run in 2003 um uh, but i will say i was glad that he kind of got to right that wrong when he came back uh uh, last year or the okay. year before and he did the stuff with Brock I thought that was right. pretty cool and they 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 accentuated his positives and they camouflaged a lot of his negatives yes. um, to, to make him look good but it was it was done pretty well and I didn't think he was going to be as popular coming back uh, as he was you know when when he did return I really didn't think the I thought the people were either going to forget about him or they were going to shit all over him I didn't think that the people were still going to be chanting Goldberg. I really didn't, and I I thought it was cool. So hats off to him. I agree. Um, yeah, definitely like a huge return in like two thousand what sixteen seventeen sixteen Survivor Series with Brock. Jesus, dude. Um, yeah, it wasn't something that I was like um, looking forward to because I was. Not a Goldberg guy. I did appreciate him squashing people and everything. Um, yep. And, like, that run up to, like, his undefeated streak. But, you know, it was, like, it got mixed up once he, like, got the title and then had to surrender the U.S. title. They they kind of mixed up his run a little bit. He could have climaxed a little better. Um, okay. But they rushed it, I think. With the Hogan thing. But it was still a sight to see that night because I didn't know it was coming. Because I was yeah. one of those guys that was a live flipper, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a great moment. A markout moment, uh, honestly. Um, but, yeah, in the later days, I really think Kevin Owens could have been given more in the match that they had. But otherwise, his whole run was great. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of like Owens being sacrificed to him, and I I even said this to a number of people. I didn't think Goldberg and Brock needed to be for the belt. I really didn't. I agree. Um, it did, it I, didn't I, need that strap. Yeah, it no. I I don't think it was needed at all. I thought Jericho and Owens needed that belt more than anything because that belt would at times was integral in their issues that they were going through not necessarily jericho wanting to be the universal champion but jericho helping owens keep the title at that time no, so i agree i, I, I even think... if jericho had the title and owens was chasing for it um, yeah yeah 
I just didn't think why they put they put the belt on Goldberg so that they can get that heroes kind of pop and and then they have him go to WrestleMania only for him to drop it to Lesnar. I just didn't think that there was any need for for that match to be for the title. It was big enough as it is. You know, the story was that Brock couldn't beat Goldberg and this was, you know, the third time that they were going to mix it up. So, yeah, if they told the story I, better, it 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 could have panned out that way but they told that story well enough that they didn't need the title um, absolutely but yeah um yeah i think th- i i think they just it it was just a misplacement of the title it happens now frequently did, now did you think he deserved a hall of fame nod and what did you think of his hall of fame speech did you see it at all <laughs> i didn't i didn't see the hall of fame speech but i definitely <clears throat> I can say, yeah, the guy deserves it with everybody else who's in nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have a nice streak, and that run that he had was very pivotal to the money that WCW raked in that year, you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, on, the, on a, a recent edition of uh, 83 Weeks, they were discussing... Um, how uh, how show business and merchandise sales were up significantly when Goldberg was the champion. Oh, I um, remember. Like, yeah, it was just it was like huge. everybody was talking more about WCW once he came around. You know? Yeah, I, I he was there. He aside from Sting and Diamond Dallas Page, he was probably their biggest organically built star within that company. I agree. Um, and and they. They didn't take care of enough of his uh, his brand, so to speak. But um, Goldberg has a place in wrestling history, and I'll be honest with you: after the success that he had with the run in WWE a couple of years ago, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back to do a one-off with like a Roman Reigns or a Braun Strowman. Uh, you know, kind of give those guys the rub a little bit. Like a you one know. more match thing. He's yeah. like, I know I can win it all when it's all on the line. I'm like, oh. where it delivers, and then somebody else is like, no, like that's the Roman Reigns spot, right? Yeah, or I mean, or or even like he, if he was a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble, you know what I mean? Like if they put him in the in the Royal Rumble and don't advertise that he's gonna be there because that's yeah. the big thing is that like I understand. I like, mean, I you loved know, that Royal Rumble spot that they had with Taker and him. That was cool. That I did. Was I did very dig that. Cool, man. Yeah, I dig that. I yeah, wouldn't I wouldn't mind the Taker and him match. Um. <laughs> if, I don't know. If I, I, I'm kind of on the fe- I'm yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> on the fence when it comes to the two of them. Like I'd much rather see a guy of Goldberg's age and physical ability be in the ring with someone who can work around his limitations as opposed to putting him in there with someone like an Undertaker who has physical limitations himself due to years and years of injuries and his age. No disrespect intended, but you know it's it's the truth. Um. Yeah, that's where I that's where I stand with Goldberg. But if he were to come back, like I said, I can get behind a Strowman Goldberg match. I can get behind a Goldberg Roman Reigns match. Yeah. Um. I I but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think the best we got with Goldberg and Undertaker was that spot in the Rumble. That's just my take. I agree. It might it might only come down to that. Um. But that would be something cool if they. They should have done that like ten years ago, 
Honestly. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, of course. But, yeah, absolutely. That's just armchair quarterbacking, but that's not what we do here. All right, let's go down the list. Who's next in the birthday list? No, that's it, man. We, that's we, it. We, we, we wish yeah, everybody we cover- farewell. Yep, everyone, everyone, uh, you know, happy birthday. Uh, you know, with the except obviously China not being with us any longer, but um, happy birthday, Cesaro, Bart Gunn, and Goldberg. I'm watching him come out right now as I'm on the screen simultaneously while I'm podcasting with you. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Multitasking and podcasting. That's uh, (laughs) maybe we can make that into a t-shirt when when, uh, marking out the days becomes a big deal someday. There we go. um, Let's uh, mark out the rest of this day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm down with it. Um, 31 years ago on this very day, 31 years ago, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling saw an individual debut by the name of Big Van Vader. It's Va- time. It's Vader time. Yeah. yeah. Vader uh, debuted. Um, here, let me find the. the Dude, the, it, the, the, it was a crazy little video. We're going to post the video. We're going we're gonna to share the video link of his debut. Um, in our Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and everything for the info and everything. But, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty dangerous, like, comes out with that fucking, that, what's that, like, that gray, silver, like, skull, mastodon. The horns, yes, too, that's the on. horns, yeah. That thing's impressive. That oh, thing is, is really impressive, yeah. I love it. Um, just very like, just very impressive entrance. All I can say, and then he has a that mask over it, and then eventually throughout the ma- the match, he loses his mask, but he still stays strong. And it's about what seven minutes. Yeah, he, uh, so uh, Antonio Inoki defeated Ricky Choshu by disqualification. And then Vader made an impromptu debut <laughs> as a part of the Takashi Puroso Gundam Stable. I hope I pronounced that correctly. That mm-hmm. was that was that hurt my throat just trying to say that. <laughs> and um, Vader attacked Anoki and demanded a match with him and beat him decisively in just about three minutes. Right. Um, and it was a big deal in uh, in. Uh, um, in New Japan Pro Wrestling because Anoki rarely lost and then when he did and to he Vader hardly it, sold either he he lost very decisively and so it really um it really set the tone for what was to come with Vader in his time in uh you know in not only in Japan but then as he made his way to the states now I'll be honest with you Kind of like Cesaro. Didn't watch Vader's Japanese stuff. Didn't know who the fuck he was until probably 1992, I believe, when I first saw him wrestle Sting in WCW. Yeah, we'll get to where I got introduced to Vader. Yeah, but, I mean, an impressive, 
underrated big man, someone who should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago. Some of my fondest memories growing up as a wrestling fan watching Vader were when he was just destroying guys and having great matches with Sting and Cactus Jack. And, I mean, uh, you know, we, we can go on and on when it comes to the man they call Vader. But you know, tell me tell me what, what your take is on Vader or your first introduction to the, uh, the man they call Vader. Well, I, uh, I mean, honestly, the first introduction that I got to him was before the WWF. Um, I saw him on Saturday night w- WCW stuff and like a few of their like recap shows around 93, 94 era. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that he was as huge of a star as he was. Of course, like um, around '97, I'm I'm 10 years old, so <laughs> my knowledge into the wrestling business is nothing. Yeah, um, yeah. But looking back on it now, like he came in like a beast. He wore down Anoki, and he came in as the Gaijin and took the world heavyweight title. And then was a beast throughout the next two or two or two or three years mm-hmm. within their promotions. So uh, yeah, just a a great dude. Um, and that that just coming in and like beating him up afterwards is just more of the heel note. Like yep, you you, you got to be scared of the guy. I mean. Honestly, you're scared of him already, but of course, because he comes in after, like New Japan is always good for that. They do that after a main event and then they introduce a guy, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like that. I mean, it, 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 it really enhanced like the, the bully part of his character where he just kind of came in and like picked the bones off of, you know, the, 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 the guy that was hurt. Oh, I agree, uh, yeah. Kind of kicked him when he was down. Um, You know, Vader played that bully really well, but he also played that big badass really well, too, because he was such an imposing figure. If you ever want to watch a very physical Vader match, you will go go onto the WWE Network and watch, um, I believe it's Wrestle War 91. It's his, I think it's his debut match in WCW. He wrestles Stan Hansen. And you want to talk about a, a, a brawl like these two guys beat the shit out of each other. Um, <laughs> I believe I believe it's Wrestle War '91. I watched it uh, a few months back, right? Um, and uh, I was like just impressed at like how how much you know punishment these guys were giving each other. And of course, this was I watched this knowing after the fact that um, Stan Hansen popped Vader's eye out in Japan a few years prior. Right. So. Uh, um, it was uh, it, it was quite interesting to watch, and uh, I was thoroughly entertained. Sometimes, you know, wrestling doesn't always have to be the prettiest for me, and it could just you know be very realistic and down and dirty and gritty. And that was what Vader and Hanson was at Wrestle War '91. Yep, that's exactly what it was. Um, so continuing on, um, should we go with the Vader theme and what's his next feat? Yeah, I mean, on this date, uh, 25 years ago, 
we we've reached the silver anniversary on this date. Uh, w, WCW Starcade, the tenth anniversary in nineteen ninety three from Charlotte, North Carolina. And the main event was Vader defending the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And this was a match that was originally supposed to be Vader and Sid for the title. However, um, Sid had uh, been fired from WCW after that altercation overseas with Arn Anderson in the hotel. Classic uh, story. Uh, if you yeah, don't know they, it, you should. Yeah, um, I mean, the, I'll give you the cliff notes. Basically, they got into an altercation physically in a hotel, and um, both guys uh, were stabbing each other with pairs of scissors. <laughs> um, and uh, Arn Anderson kept his job, and uh, Sid went packing. And so the original idea was supposed to be Vader and Sid, according to the rumor, the rumor mill out there, and they slotted Flair in kind of at the last minute, and they did the retirement storyline where Flair lost. He had to retire. And uh, I just watched that match today, by the way. And yeah. it was a lot of fun to watch it. That crowd was white hot Dude, for that the match. Whole like the show was built around Flair. Everything. Yeah. Yep. Everybody in that building was just waiting for it. Yeah. It was oh, amazing. I know. I, I loved I loved how they um, how they started where they had Gene Oakland pick Flair up from his home and he kissed mm-hmm. his wife and kids goodbye and then they're in the limo and they're talking about Flair's career and they just you know they built and built and built the importance of this match for Flair and like I said this was done in a short period of time you know uh, it was they, I think they only had like a month to really prepare for this um, yeah and. It wasn't. It wasn't very long. It wasn't a major buildup. The the two of them didn't really have much interaction on on television with each other prior to it. So, uh, yeah, just the match was great too. You want you want to hear a funny story? Um, I was Shoot. I was watching the um, I was listening to uh, Tony Schiavone's WHW uh, What Happened When mm-hmm. podcast, and they did a watch along of Starcade '93, and um, Conrad tells a story. From Ric Flair's book, Flair says that when he was in the match, and you probably saw it, um, there was one point Vader's in the corner and he's he's firing off live rounds, yeah. like to the head, yeah, like yeah. just he's mauling Flair. elbows too, yeah, elbows and and, and rights yeah. and lefts and forearms, and at one point in I read this in Flair's book, but Conrad tells the story, he does it he does it justice. He says that. Uh, um, Harley Race uh, was in the corner when uh, you know Flair was getting mauled, and Harley Race goes, "If you don't fight back, from I'm g- <laughs> he says he says if you don't start fighting back and hitting Leon, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you in the locker room." <laughs> <laughs> and, I can see and, him doing that with his little and, mustache that he had. Yeah. On God's green earth, I'm a seven-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. There you go, Dave. 
Did you yeah, prep with you. any cigarettes or no? No. Well, you know, the funny, th- the funny thing is I used to smoke years and years ago. So I, I've, been, I've quit from six years strong. But, uh, nice. yeah, that, that's that's my best Harley race. Uh, so, yeah, basically Harley race told Flair in the corner. He's like, if you don't fight back, he's going to, you know, he's, he's going to take advantage of you. Le- yeah. Leon, Leon's going to bully you. So you better. And Flair fought back. And it was, ju- it was just a great match. It told a great story of, you know, Flair you know, coming from underneath and, and fighting for his career. And like I said, it was in Charlotte. That crowd was red hot, man. It was just, it was a lot of fun. I, I didn't, I didn't remember how good that match was till I watched it earlier today. It was a lot oh, of fun. No, I agree. It was one of the like best things he has ever done. One of the best things that WCW has ever done. I think. Um, yeah. Just the the peak of WCW because it was for their title as well as like later the NWA title would be uh, mixed up with that. But let's not forget like Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes on that card. Two out of three falls, right? Dude, what a match, right? Yeah, um, that was great. Steve Austin gets the victory because Dustin throws him over the top rope. DQ for the first one. And then second, he gets him in a, uh, like a little small pack package. So yeah. Steve Austin is away with the sneaky win. Uh, it, it's crazy. We also get road warrior Hawk and sting teaming up, defeating the nasty boys becoming, well, not becoming, but w- like winning the match via disqualification for the tag team titles. Yeah. That was a that was a fun match, but I thought that match went a little too long. So long, right? Yeah, I thought like if they shaved off about five, maybe even ten minutes of that, and added that to Steamboat and Regal earlier in the night. Yes, that would have been ideal because I thought Steamboat and Regal was really getting going, and then it just ended. Yeah, it was like very quick. Let's get to that. Uh, Steven Regal and Steamboat went to a time limit draw for the WCW World Television Championship. I loved this match, and I knew it was going to a draw just because I know the booking at the time. You can just feel mm-hmm. it. Um, yep. I'm. I mean, plus that was a that was a prevalent finish around that time, right? Time limit draws for the TV title, yeah, that seemed to be very standard, especially for the television title, because you had the the, the TV time limit. Like if like I remember a lot of matches on WCW Saturday Night or WCW Pro or Folks, Worldwide. we gotta go and we'll be right yeah. back next week. Yeah, tape machines are still rolling. Whatever you you miss, you, you'll catch it on WCW Power Hour <laughs> tomorrow morning. You know, like it was very like you you always got that vibe. Like so, like a TV title match, like when they would say they're going like thirty minutes, like I I'd be like, oh, well, I'm gonna have to catch the rest of this tomorrow because it's not gonna <laughs> they're yeah. gonna go the full you know they're they're gonna go the full thirty minutes and then we're gonna be at the end of the show. But if they were like. 10 minute title match like TV title matches I'd be like ooh I'd get a little more excited for it because I knew that in the 10 minutes like you couldn't go to a draw but well, in what, this case they what did. were your thoughts on this like did you watch this as a kid did you follow along or were you aware of this at the time um I watched the, I watched a little bit of WCW as a kid at this time um I caught it when I could um you know my my 
my wrestling fandom was strong as a kid, but um, my parents tried to curb a lot of that. Uh, not because of course, they, as they always not do. Be, yeah, because you know they wanted me to do other things too, and that's fine. Like I, I don't hold that against my parents whatsoever. They didn't but, want uh, you to start a wrestling podcast, dude. No, I, I, you know what? I guess not. But um, you know, they they did the job on that deal. I'll tell you that right now. Um, you know, I I went over, uh, and when it when it comes to you know me and my parents and my podcast dreams. But um, uh, at the time, I I would catch whatever I could with WCW, it was the Saturday night programs, or uh, Sunday with the main event. Um, this was like the pre Nitro days, uh, so. Um, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot, and then when my parents would let me watch my wrestling, it was a lot of times it was Saturday mornings when WWF was on, right. and Wrestling Challenge and Superstars and things like that. So um, I didn't follow this storyline at the time, but um, I followed the Flair Invader one when I was a kid. I remember yeah. following that one, um, but I didn't follow um, uh, Steamboat and Regal. At, the, at this time, but watching it earlier today, like I said, it was a fun match to watch. I felt like it was really starting to pick up, and then they just they just cut to hit, a draw. hit that second gear, right? Yeah, yeah. it just uh, I, I thought, like I said, if you shaved off five or ten minutes off that tag team title match and you put it on the TV title match, I think it would have been a really damn good match. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, one more notable match from this card is. The WCW International Heavyweight Championship match between Rick Rude and The Boss? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is like WWF all over again. And that's why I was confused as a kid. Because I remember now why I got mixed up watching these. Um, I was watching WCW like Saturday nights. And then watching WWF, like, Superstars Saturday, and then, like, Primetime, maybe, if it was still on. But I was mixing them up, thinking that they were all one corporation, because I was seeing Rick Rude on my television now. I was seeing The Boss. I was also seeing Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the near future. And then, from there, Hulk Hogan, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So I was very yeah. confused as a youth. Um, I remember. I remember as a youth, I didn't like that they called the big boss man the boss because I knew him as the big boss man. Right, and I just thought, I just thought, well, why can't they call him the big? I, I mean, I was, <laughs> was nineteen ninety three. I was ten years old. I, I I was just trying to rationalize it in my ten year old brain. Like, why can't they just call him the big boss man? Don't they know he's the big boss man from the WWF? Why <laughs> Why does he have to just be the boss? Like yeah. Rick Rude, he's still ravishing Rick Rude, and he was ravishing Rick Rude at SummerSlam nineteen ninety. Why is he? You know, why does he get to keep his name? Like, I, like little things like that. Like. That was how my brain operated when it came mm-hmm. to stuff as a kid, you know. Like when they, do you remember when they brought when when WCW brought nails in? Oh my! And God. they called it, and they called him the prisoner. The prisoner. Like that was probably the first time in my brain where I was like, "All right, that's stupid." 
yeah. like at 10 years old, I was like, that's dumb. Like, and, and I didn't normally think that, but like, I was like, no, that's stupid. He's nails. He's not, I mean, yeah, no shit. He's a prisoner. He broke out of jail, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and beat up the big boss man, you know? And it, like, I just didn't understand like the logic behind it. Here's another thing that's stupid about that name, the boss. And we're kind of backtracking here a little bit, but do you remember when he wrestled Vader at Spring Stampede 1994 and oh, he got no. disqualified? No. So all right, so they okay. so they had listen to this. You I gotta mean, listen to this I stupid. May, I might, but I, I I eliminate the dumb stuff. Okay. Well, this is how, this this is how dumb this was. Okay. So he had this match with Vader at Spring Stampede 94. He was he went into the match as the boss, and. I forget the finish, but they, they, the nightstick was involved and Harley race got involved and the bell rang and whatever, you know, the match was over. And I think Vader won by disqualification or maybe it was a double DQ. I don't remember the whole story. Anyhow, Nick Bockwinkle was the figurehead commissioner of WCW at the time. And he is chewing bosses, big boss man's ass out in the locker room <laughs> and they got it on camera. And then he decides that you are no longer allowed to use the name the boss and you're oh, no so longer allowed he's the guardian to, angel to, right and that's how he changed to the guardian angel i'm like but at, ah. at 11 year, at 11 years old i'm trying to yeah. rationalize this and this is where i'm like how can you tell someone that they can't be that name like first <laughs> it's dumb enough as it is that you, you wouldn't call him the big boss man but now you're telling him because he used his nightstick in a match that oh well you're no longer allowed to be the boss come up with a new name like i just thought that was the silliest thing at 11 years old and i was like yeah there's a reason why i don't watch that much wcw copyright <laughs> tutorial song well <laughs> you better know about these copyrights boy you can name this thing yeah just like going on about like taking names from everybody and yeah i just thought it was ridiculous so um as far as not to, and and yeah we really went off the rails here with that one but uh <laughs> but, as far uh, as rick rick rude and the boss i i fast forwarded through that match just because of the fact that they still called him the boss and at 35 i think that's unacceptable yeah it was like a typical wwf like um back and forth house show match uh each guy got the the greatest hits and uh yeah ended in a schmoz anyhow but uh oh, overall it was, it was overall thoughts of starcade 93 um it wasn't a bad show i thought it was a solid show it was obviously a very heavily hyped one match show with um it with, was uh, all about flair. the flair yeah Flair and Vader. I would I could have done without um, Shockmaster and uh, the Awesome Kong or the the King Kong or whatever the wherever that match was. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I even kind of dug the Cactus Jack Max Payne against uh, Tex Slashinger and Shanghai Pierce match. I didn't think that was bad. Not too um, bad, right? It was a nice little brawl that kind of like you know changed things up. But yeah, that was Starcade '93. I'd give it, and I don't do Dave Meltzer ratings. I just go based on one out of t you know one through ten. I'd probably give Starcade '93 a seven or an eight because the main event and the build up to it was that good. I would do about a six. Um, okay. The matches were below par on what you would expect, but the main event blew it out. Uh, but it was all based off that main event, man. They were like. 
from beginning to the end, they were going off that main event. And uh, once that happened, it was awesome. Um, yeah. Just because it was the 10th anniversary of Starcade, and it was 11, the 11th victory for Ric Flair. So, um, very, very memorable moment. Definitely. Um, oh. I, I would give that a... I would give that a six, though. Not my, not my favorite. Um, yeah, we'll see how we go along the card. Yeah, um, and Stark, you know, like you said, main event really helped it. The undercard kind of um, was okay, but then you go the following year. On this date, December the 27th, 1994, Starcade 1994. Yeah. Where the undercard, at least from my perspective watching it, the undercard was better than the main event. I agree. I agree. You, I mean, the opening match with Vader and Duggan for the U.S. title. Blew me out With Vader the water. coming out the victor. Yeah, I didn't expect that match to be any good. And it was... It was a- I, it was a hoss match. Yeah, but it was it was a good match, yeah. Yeah. They were putting it all on the line. These guys are going back and forth. Uh, stiff blows, clotheslines, power slams, suplexes, everything you want in, like, guys that are nearing or plus 300 pounds. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It was... It, I was surprised at some of the stuff that they were doing, but... Um, it was it was definitely a, a fun match, and I didn't think that that'd be a good match to open the show, but they they definitely delivered. Um, some of the moved, other high, yeah. Go ahead. Some of the other high points of the show. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, the Alex Al- Wright and and John Paul Levesque, who we know as now as Triple H. That yeah, was, that was that was a pretty good match. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Um, the uh, the Johnny B. Bad Arn Anderson match, despite the fact that it was very impromptu because uh, Honky Tonk Man pulled a no show and then was fired from WCW. Did you ever hear that story? Uh, somewhat. Go go through it for me. So I guess he was. So the the original match was supposed to be Honky Tonk Man and Johnny B. Bad for the WCW TV title. And the which story would, that which would sell a lot of tickets, right? Yeah. I'm, oh, there's there's definitely going to be a lot of butts in the seats. Um, that's for sure. Um, and uh, anyhow, so this barn burner of a match that was supposed to take place never took place because, according to um, uh, Eric Bischoff on an episode of uh, his eighty three weeks podcast. Uh, Honky Tonk Man did not want to do the job to Johnny B. Bad. And <sighs> he said, I'm done. He's like, I'm not going out there. And so then Bischoff said, All right, well, you're fired. And um, literally, that was like moments before <laughs> the uh, the match itself. And then they, they, they stuck Arn Anderson out there. And it was a it was a it was a good match considering it was on short notice. Um, not the greatest match, but considering that, you know, those two guys probably didn't have enough time to prepare. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was solid, good effort from both guys. I mean, it's Arn Anderson. Yeah, he's, you know, he's he's one of the all time greats, and in, in my opinion, the 
the greatest to never be the world champion. Oh, of but course. Uh, I agree. That's another discussion for another day. Uh, yeah, and then Sting and Avalanche. That was a fun match. Sting played the you know the the, the smaller guy to to Avalanche Earthquake really well. Hold um, up a second, Dave. You can't just skip over Mister T defeating Cal- Kevin Sullivan. I I tried, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you you got me. I mean, it's Mister <laughs> because... T. In WCW, in 1994, yeah. December, that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, going back and watching this, I forgot that that match happened. I really did. Same here. I forgot that. I forgot that they that they that they did that nonsense. Same here. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I, <laughs> I, I forgot it so much that when they when they hyped it up and they had both guys come out and the bell rang, I was like, all right, I'm gonna fast forward through this one because yeah. I know there's a lot more worse to come. But and Kevin Sullivan did right. a good job of beating him down, and I guess Mr. T just sold the whole time. Uh, if that counts as selling by just being on all fours and like heaving and like having your shirt caught up in your boxing gloves. Yeah, I'm ridiculous. And then Dave Sullivan comes in for the, the assisted victory. Like Dave Sullivan. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a blast from the past. Wow. And then, yeah, Mr. T wins the match and it's just, ah, Just zero celebration. I mean, I know Mr. T is, like, past his prime at this point, so why do it? Um, I I don't remember this as a kid at all. I don't remember Mr. T being involved in wrestling again as a kid at all. He was... Post-mania. So he was he was the um, he was the guest referee for Hogan Flair at Halloween Havoc '94 um, in the cage. So two months before this, and then yeah, two months before this match, this abomination, and then they brought him out for this, um, and he did the thing with Kevin Sullivan. And like I said, I fast forwarded through it because I, judging by how you've just described your your viewing of the match i'm glad i fast forwarded through uh sullivan and mr t and then we get to the the, the main event oh. the 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 wrestlemania dude, of wcw starcade yeah the my brother dude his name <laughs> is leslie well first name ed uh he he deserves the title shot he's beaten uh uh Who is he beating? What? What? Like, where did this come from? So, do you remember how this came about? <laughs> they played do off. I need to refer- yeah, they played off of everything from WWF. Well, yeah, the friendship and um, and then they did the whole. You know, they did. He was the masked man that after they did yes. the ta- Tanya Harding angle, yes. where he where he where he clubbed his knee and. Uh, you know, and you know I who that guy... is, right? That's the butcher. Oh, that's another thing too. <laughs> so, like, I obviously that, that this is a, you, you as you find out over time with me. There's going to be some weird little things that I'm going to gripe about that you're going to be like, "What the heck is this guy thinking?" <sighs> but I agree. It was like, you. like the boss. Like, I didn't like the fact that he wasn't called the big boss man. Right. The, I had a similar issue with. 
the butcher. Yeah. And no, I, agree. I was like, he is Brutus. He may not be Brutus the Barber Beefcake, but when Hogan referred to him as Brother Brutus, I was like, well, what's wrong with Brother Brutus? Or maybe Brother Brutus the Butcher. Yeah, Yeah, or Brutus. I mean, I just, I I don't know. I just wasn't like, I I wasn't a big fan of it. Didn't make him, uh, it made him more cheesy. It made him to the caliber of the avalanche. Yeah. And what what made this match uninteresting, not only... Because it was Hogan and Beefcake in the main event, um, was the fact that they were hyping up Randy Savage's eventual arrival. Yeah. At some point during the match, and he was either going to slap Hogan in the face or he was going to shake his hand. And that is always the WCW way, though. To like, they're booking, they're booking ahead, right, to where it makes sense, but then they're bringing up the booking. To where it doesn't make sense. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yep, yep. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, I was, I as a kid, I didn't order this pay-per-view. I didn't watch this pay-per-view as a kid, but I was, as a kid, I didn't care about Hogan and Butcher. No. I cared about what Savage was going to do. Yep. Because it was more interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it was, and it was, it was something fresh. And when I saw the highlights on WCW Saturday night that, um, Hogan and Savage had reunited and Savage was not going to join the three faces of fear. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to either slap him in the face or I'm going to shake his hand. You better shake my another. hand, dude. You know something, brother? I'm going to tell you right now. Dude, I'm, I'm reaching thinking, it out thinking, right thinking, now, thinking, dude. Well, I don't know if... Did you wash your hands first? I uh, got... Uh-huh. I, it's 99.9% antibacterial, dude. Oh, so you got the Purell, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and now I'm thinking, mm-hmm. thinking, thinking, maybe a little on, bit longer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, well, you got me, okay. all right, brother. I'm going to spit in my hand. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, huh? That, yeah. That's 98.% not 99%. So uh, you just spit dude. your hand, uh-huh. I got to wash my hand again, dude. Yeah, yeah, you do, uh-huh. Why do you think ah. I wear, uh, you know, wraps around my hands, uh-huh? Dude. I don't have bare hands anymore, you know what I mean? Brother, I tell I'm you, Randy Savage is hard to deal with. Yeah, uh-huh, yo, well, you damn really am. How many, you know, ask Elizabeth. Elizabeth, she knows all about how oh, difficult I can be, uh-huh. Hold on. Because the spit ran out my hand and down my wrist, so I spit in it again. You still ready for the shake? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, I mean, well, you know, I can always take a shower later. All right, brother. Here right, we go. Right. Okay, well, <laughs> next week. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, so wow. Hogan, Hogan the Butcher. It's just Chop City, right? And double axe handles. Yes. (laughs) And it was just everything they dreamed about. Like, they talked about that match probably for, like, a week. And he was just like, well, dude, I'll get you with uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the double axe handle. And, uh, you'll get up and, uh, and, uh, bounce off the ropes and then maybe give me the high knee. 
Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, you know, it's just like... like. And, and the ironic part about that conversation, it probably all took place on Hogan's boat in their Speedos. <laughs> <laughs> While traveling at like 120 miles yeah. an hour, so you can hardly yeah. hear it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, terrible match. Uh, terrible main event for a Starcade. Why would they ever go in this direction? Ted Turner, that's why. And Hulk uh, Hogan, that's why, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think Hogan had a lot more to do with that than anything else. I mean, yeah. um, I'm sure Hogan wanted to, you know... I, I will say this, and I've heard uh, in many of interviews with other wrestlers, when it comes to, you know, Hogan's politicking and the, the his uh, reputation for being a... a a politician in the locker room. He takes care of the people that back him up. He takes care of the people that that are loyal to him. He's loyal to other people. So now I was very loyal to my wrestling in WCW and Hulk Hogan, despite the fact that Hogan and uh, the Butcher did not put out the greatest performance. But the following year, mm, very um, loyal, huh? Very, very loyal to my WCW and Starcade. Uh, now, were you confused at all about? them being like WCW or WWF or were you smart enough to know the difference of WCW and WWF or did you differentiate? I I knew the difference between the two. I wasn't, I didn't, yeah. I I knew that, you know, one was a different um, company at, at, you know, 10, 11 years old. I didn't have any, uh, any issues with it. So quick question. Did you, were you surprised that Hogan was in WCW? Um... I was, and I, but I was also very happy too because um, around the time that Hogan left and like the way wrestling was changing in 1993, I was having a hard transition when it came yeah. to to you know certain guys and the way wrestling was. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan was taken away from, and like I said to you in our. In, in a previous episode where we talked, Hogan and Macho Man were the two guys I, that made me fall in love with wrestling. And Hogan was taken away so quickly uh, at one point or another. Um, and then they brought him back in 93 to do that WrestleMania. And then he right. left after the match with Yokozuna. And I was like, and, and hey. Yokozuna beat him. And I was yeah. like, you know, I was used to Hogan always, <clears throat> the hero was always going to get the win, you know? And yeah. so when he came back to WCW, I was like, well, it's, you know, when he made his debut, I should say with them, it was like, well, it's Hulk Hogan and he's my hero. And so even if it's for a different company, I could see the match with him and Ric Flair that I never got to see at WrestleMania eight that I'm nice. always, that I always wanted to see. So that's how I kind of looked at it when it came to, to, to Hogan and his time in WCW in the beginning. That's cool. I, I always just like adding a little detail into like our, um, fandom you know so everybody else knows where we're coming from and everything so moving right along uh starcade 95 this is amazing for me as a mark now uh because it's 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 wcw versus njpw new japan pro wrestling wow i mean like think of that you you wouldn't get that now like wwe versus njpw Oh, certainly yeah. not. Yeah, it was um, it w- it was pretty cool uh, when it when it took place. I I dug it. The you know the the World Series of Wrestling or the World Cup of Wrestling, I think it was they called it. Um, Were you following at this time? 
I was, yeah. I, I was okay. following. I was, and, and it was it was kind of a, even though I didn't expect it or see it coming, it was kind of a breath of fresh air because I was kind of getting tired of the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. Uh, so I, can I thought see this why was kind of interesting. Up. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was, I was still baffled though that like Hogan wasn't a part of it. And, right, right. Yeah, you know, I was like, why isn't you know he's the biggest, he's the most popular guy in WCW. Why isn't he on the team? But dude, brother, I got, I got movies, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that that's not gonna work. There's for me, a brother. thunder in paradise, <laughs> and, and that muscles. lightning, yeah, that lightning bolt ain't striking here, dude. <laughs> um, Jushin Thunder like Liger. Um, yeah, speaking of, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Chris Benoit. I mean, fuck. Like, that's on this card. Yeah, I mean, like, th- open the card. Think of all these matches that are on here. Like, we get Kanemoto versus Alex Wright. Lex Luger versus Chono. Holy yep. shit. I mean, they don't, like, they're not up to what you would think. I mean, like, not most of them. Uh, Johnny B. Bad versus Masa Saito. That's... Which, which, by the way, I didn't think that was going to be a good match at all. And that reminded me of, like, just a good old-fashioned fight. Like, those yeah. two... Like, there were that two was different a brawl. Con- yeah. It was and, a it was different a fight for Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, was, there were two different contrasting styles between the two. And I thought it was great. And I really enjoyed it. And there were parts of me watching it back just the other day where I was like... Um, <clears throat> Saito is definitely no selling Johnny B. Bad's punches, but he was but Johnny B. He was giving it to Johnny B. Bad, and I think Johnny B. Bad realized in that match, like, all right, I got, I kind of got to get a little more physical with him. I can't, you know, just, <laughs> I, I, I can't, you know, work a, I can't work, you know, my normal style. I got to get a little more physical, and he brought it, man. It was, it was, a, it was a no, lot of I fun. Agree. I, I enjoyed that match. That, that was the sleeper for me. That was a sleeper match for me on Starcade '95. Yeah. This uh this whole card though was like reminiscent of um a WCW versus the World Tour like video game yes or uh like you know something like that extent like Virtual Pro Wrestler like okay that extent like yep. uh just because like the whole card was stacked with like Super Guy versus Super Guy um like from each each promotion. We yeah. get Otani versus Guerrero, which oh, is a fucking match. incredible match, man. That's probably the best match of the night on the, on yes. the cards, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, just off the ropes, uh, chain wrestling, you get lucha, you get strong style, you get everything. You get submission. Like, it's all there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and, I thought it was interesting that Savage worked in the World Cup. As the champion, and then he had to defend the title later. I thought that was interesting. I, I loved that concept, though. As a child, um, I thought it was always, like, for the main show, it would be, like, like three guys go against another three guys, and uh-huh. then those winners go on to face each other at the end of the show. Like I always loved like Starcade 89, like future shock. Okay. Do you remember that? I remember it. I've never watched it, but they had the, t- the round Robin tournament. Yes. With, uh, yeah. With, like, yeah. It was a tag team tournament and there was like a singles tournament. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah. I fell in love with that stuff, man. Um, yeah. and it was just like, 
it was here in this. You could feel it. Yeah. Um, so Randy Savage defeats Tenzon in an incredible match. Um, and then you get Sting defeating Suzaki. Suzaki. Yes. Like, uh, in in a submission as well. Yeah. No, it was, it was, overall, I thought this show was a lot of fun. And a, a Starcade that is very underappreciated by a lot of fans. I don't think it gets talked about enough. When people think Starcade, they think of, you know, the early stuff with Flair and then, like, you know, 97 with Sting and Hogan and then the the, the, the Goldberg and uh, Nash mm-hmm. from 98. Um, but this one doesn't really get talked about enough. And when I watched it back earlier this week, I was like, 35 now I was like wow I really enjoyed that imagine what yeah. I would have been like at you know 12 years old when if I were to if I were to watch this then like I would have been yeah. blown away I so, think this it, is like months removed from uh Flair doing the Worlds Collide or the Collision Course with um uh I forget which Japanese promotion Fujinami but I think yes. it was but I think it, he, uh, he wrestled uh, Tatsumi Fujinami in North Korea. Mm-hmm. and That's 95, I, right? Yeah, that's 90. That was in like the spring of 95. I yeah, so that's earlier that was, this year. Was that for New Japan? <laughs> it must have been. I, Fujinami was a New Japan guy, so it must have been. Okay, yeah, it must so have been for New Japan. So then huh? we get the, the concluded like story of Flair throughout this whole like World Cup where like... Hogan is not prevalent at all, which you spoke of earlier. Ric Flair yeah, he... defeats Lex Luger and Sting by some countout like clusterfuck and becomes the number one contender and continues on to face Randy Savage for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Like, yeah. what the fuck? No, it was, I mean... The, the 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 story obviously was you know Sting and, and Luger's um, relationship and how yes a few months prior Luger had you know turned on Sting's friend Hogan but Sting still kind of had an allegiance he was kind of the middleman but at the same time like he could understand why people didn't trust Luger even though he trusted Luger but he was going to get a title shot so now he was having his doubts because wow what was Luger going to do to him in that match and it, I think yep. it, I think it worked out really well. Obviously, you know, in Flair's advantage to eventually um, face Macho Man for the title at the end of the night, which, you know, those two had nat- a natural rivalry and chemistry with each other, so it just made sense. But, um, yeah, overall, like I said, that show was probably, like I said, the, one of the underappreciated Starcades, and I watched it top to bottom recently the other day, and I was, I thought it was great. Well, we didn't do a overall score for 94. We can do both huh. simultaneously right now. We can do uh, 94 for me was uh, two. Yeah, I, I was going to be kind and say three, but you know what? I'll, 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 I'll jump on the, the, the two train with you. Right, give it two. a two as well. The two train. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go with ninety-five. Uh, what do you give that? I'm gonna give it an eight. Eight? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight because Dude, I thought the I'm, I thought I'm, I thought I'm the concept hop was right good. On you. I'm gonna yeah. hop right on you if they eat. So right. go ahead and you you carried away with the details. Yeah, I mean, 
the the concept in and of itself, the World Cup of Wrestling, it was just something different. It was a breath of fresh air. Uh, most of the storylines were dominated by, you know, Hogan against the Dungeon of Doom. And I love Hogan, but um, I just didn't, I, I just wasn't impressed with it anymore. Like, I really wasn't, like, the whole Dungeon of Doom thing. And so the 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 international feel of it with, you know, New Japan coming in, then, of course, you know, the, the, the title match stakes with Flair and, and Savage and, yeah, it, it was just a, it was just a really really fun show. I, I, loved I can't it. say enough good about it. Yeah, it was a lot of stakes, a lot of stakes, um, and and to continue what you said is like the Hogan and Dungeon of Doom thing. Like they have all these continuing storylines, but they're not prevalent on that show, which makes it like a lot better. Um, that's one thing I will say for WCW. What they did for me, like I enjoyed having different cards have a theme for a show. Um, If you're there with me, like it's like playing a video game. Like you have like 70 characters. You're only going to play with a couple at a time. So, uh, Uh and then the next, you know, week you'll play with the other ones or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they set it up in a good way for WCW then, but just the television at the time, it just was not, yeah, just, yeah, hard to, hard to keep track. Yeah, no, it certainly was, but I think also too, um, and I could be wrong, but this is just a theory of mine. I think too, it was because they were kind of doing like a little like invasion of, of, mm-hmm. of New Japan into WCW. I think this was like, almost like a, like a, a dry run of what the NWO storyline was going to be True. like um, True. with the, with the whole invasion element that 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 had behind it but True even um, though they wouldn't follow through in any of the uh booking but yeah <laughs> yeah but <laughs> all right let's move on to the NWO era then i guess right and as we venture on the day December 27th uh 20 years ago, basically, you covered already Starcade 1998. Yes. On Kicking Out at Two, right? Yeah, I did as, uh, as a watch along. Uh, my brother Daryl and I okay. joined uh, forces and uh, we, we watched the entire event cover to cover, <clears throat> excuse me, of nice. Starcade 1998. You can find that over at SoundCloud.com, search Kicking Out at Two and Starcade 1998 watch along. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I know sometimes watch alongs can uh, be a little time consuming, but with the holiday break, uh, I figured some people might be home from work, not working this week, so they have the opportunity to sit down and watch exactly. it and, uh, and and partake in our alternate commentary. And uh, from from doing the watch along uh, with my brother Daryl and going back and watching Starcade '98, I was um, I, I felt the same way I did 20 years ago regarding the card itself, and I thought that it wasn't a very good Starcade. It was like. No. It, it was like a, a, either a really good episode of Nitro or the greatest episode of WCW Thunder there ever was. Because <laughs> you had... I, I'm going to go with the latter. You, okay, that's perfect. Then this is probably the best WCW Thunder you will ever watch in the history of wrestling. 
I mean, you had, you know, the opening match was great. The Cruiserweight Championship with uh, Hoovy and Kidman and Ray. Then they, they did an impromptu Cruiserweight match with Kidman and Eddie Guerrero. And, and Eddie Guerrero wrestling with one shoe. Yes, hiking boots, jeans, and an LWO tank top. I mean, he, and that mullet. He was definitely a fashion maven in 1998. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I was just, I wasn't impressed with the, with the, there was good parts of the show, and then there was really bad parts of the show. And the really bad parts kind of came in the middle of that show. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. referring to uh, there were three matches. And if you go back and you listen to to the watch along, um, I'm like beside myself that, that they even thought of doing such a thing and uh, putting these matches on Starcade of all of all shows. Uh, considering the yeah, and with the considering the roster that they had, right? yeah, the depth of talent that was on that roster. I mean, you know. I get it. Sting was injured, and they were doing some publicity stunt with Hogan, so Hogan wasn't on the card. But, I mean, you had so many other guys. Bret Hart, I believe, was injured, even though he made an appearance on this card. So much talent that you had on your payroll, and they're just sitting at home collecting a check while the rest of us are paying twenty nine ninety five to watch Jerry fucking Flynn and Fit Finley take on the NWOB team of Brian Adams and Scott Norton with Virgil at ringside. I mean, that that, that was definitely yeah. worth the price of admission at long. <laughs> yep. I, I, I mean, there were, like, towards the end of the card, you kind of get the highlights of the of the event, and they're, they're not the highest of lights at all. No. But, uh... There, there's some decent matches. Um, the one that surprised me really was Eric Bischoff beating Ric Flair. Now, did it, um, did it surprise yeah. you because of the finish or the quality of the match? <laughs> the finish was okay. a mess. But uh, just the quality of of what Flair was able to give Eric in that match. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know, Eric not being a trained professional wrestler and... Usually Rick is one of the guys that it's like if if you're not cutting it in the ring he's he's not going to give it to you that much mm-hmm. but uh he was giving him a lot in that match. Yeah, I thought it was a I mean, I thought it was a pretty solid match. It was kind of like <laughs> a repeat of the year before when uh when uh Bischoff wrestled Zabisco at Starcade 97. Yes. Um but this yep. was a little bit more of a personal rivalry. Um I didn't feel it as much as I did the year prior because there was more on the line in that match with Bischoff and Zabisco. Um, as opposed yeah. to the one with with him and Flair, um, I didn't have a. Pro- yeah, I was hyped around about the the Zabisco and uh, Bischoff one. That was great. Yeah, yeah, with like Nitro being on the line, um, and and mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. But there wasn't a stipulation involved in this match, and I, I get why they went with that finish. Um, it was 1998. There was a ratings war. You needed a hook to come into Monday Nitro to get people to watch. And I didn't have, as a kid, I didn't have a problem with Bischoff beating Flair in the manner that he did. He got help from the NWO. He's a slum, he's a, a slime ball, a scumbag. He's going to find a way to, 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 to get out of that sticky situation with Ric Flair. Most wrestling fans to this day are still outraged. How the hell could Eric Bischoff beat Ric Flair? It's a fucking story. Like, they're just, right. you know what I mean? Like, they went the next night. And they put Bischoff's job on the line, and Flair ended up beating him and becoming the president of WCW. So all was right in the world. I mean, I don't understand why he yeah. had to win at Starcade. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't. It, it's a story. Yeah, it's it, it's Ric Flair's stomping ground. It's but yeah, I I, I get you. It's it's part of the story. 
Um, as long as they cash it in, WCW was known to have stories that had like twists and everything, and then they would never cash in on it. Um, you know, they would start going in a direction and then just completely ignore it. Um, but this, they, they did it. They salvaged the next night. Um, so yeah, big, big turn up there for them. All right. Another one that kind of caught me by surprise too: DDP and the giant, um, just a, a better match than I thought they could have. Yeah. I mean, um, I wasn't expecting a, uh, a, a, a knockdown drag out affair between the two of them, but I liked the story that that they were telling in the weeks leading up to the match and even in the matches. How is DDP going to get the diamond? How is he going to put the big giant in the diamond cutter? And mm-hmm. I thought that was the more appealing, intriguing part. And to me, that's the beauty of wrestling is that like it doesn't have to be a technical wrestling classic to 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 get people's attention you got to have a good story in there at some point too and i thought that was a really good story that this big seven foot four 500 pound giant um is so imposing that the master of the diamond cutter there's a chance he could not get that diamond cutter on him and i thought that that was that was the beauty of that story um i could have done without bret hart to be quite honest with you um and i've talked about brett on my show before and his time in wcw but um I could have done without him in this. I didn't really like him in the NWO to begin with. I thought he, right. I thought he was bigger than the NWO. He didn't need the NWO, and the NWO didn't need him. And I just thought, if he's not wrestling on the card, why are you having him do a run-in? Like, you're just better off leaving him off the card in that capacity, you know? Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed... I, like, look who we have here. Yeah. I mean, he showed up just to do the spot where he hit him with the chair, and then that was the end of it, really. Um, and then, you know, mm-hmm. Paige put the diamond cutter on him and it was all said and done. And it got a great pop. I mean, the place blew up when he hit that diamond cutter. Um, oh, yeah. But I, that's when it was still hot. Yeah. Uh, I oh, think yeah. 98 and 97 is one of the best years for Diamond Dallas Page or a wrestler in general. Um, just if you go back and watch it, just a lot of a lot of brawling tactics in his matches, but a lot of um, a lot of psychology stuff, too. The way he was worked in as the counterpoint to the nwo yeah you know he was like the austin of wcw yeah he was like the blue collar hard-working man that you know <laughs> that was trying to trying to uh you know uh climb up the ladder in wcw and he had the nwo as, as his biggest obstacle and uh he was someone <laughs> that like you could you could easily relate to you know what i mean the guy who's been through yep. it all the good and the bad now he's trying to turn things around he's starting to gain momentum and then out of nowhere the nwo just kind of you know pulls the rug out from under him but he still keeps fighting back for more and page was an easily relatable character to to probably the majority of uh that core mm-hmm. audience of wcw just the the blue collar hard working man yep okay last and certainly not least, Kevin Nash beating Goldberg, ending the streak. Uh, 15 months, 173 matches. Goldberg goes down for the jackknife, brother, uh, after Scott Hall tases him with the hokiest gimmick. I just remember watching this live and being really disappointed. This was one of the turnoff points of WCW for me. Um, it was like this and then coupling with another thing after another thing after another thing and i was just like okay i I gotta go (laughs) um yeah i i didn't mind that he ended the streak i was a kevin nash fan at the time but the 
just again the follow up afterwards it wasn't it it didn't last long at all <laughs> cuz you would go on to cover the finger poke of doom yeah yeah which would spiral right into this yeah yeah we're going to actually we're going to be covering that on uh, the January 2nd edition of kicking out at 2 in our trading places series where we're going to play a little role reversal with not only the finger poke of doom but uh, Mick Foley's world title win that same night on January 4th 1999 what happens if Hulk Hogan didn't finger poke Nash and what happens if Nash didn't lie down or what happens if the rock retained the WWF title you can check that out over at soundcloud.com next week uh trading places finger poke of doom versus mick foley's world title win but yeah to kind of go back sorry for the cheap book but uh to kind of no to kind of go back a little bit um to your point earlier where you mentioned that you know they had great twists and turns in their storylines but there was never any follow-up um right i'm on the opposite end of the fence here when it comes to the finish i didn't mind the cattle prod and and okay. it being you know you you claimed it was being hokey. I didn't care for Disco Inferno or Bam Bam Bigelow's involvement, but I get that they were part of they were there to facilitate the introduction of the cattle prod with Scott Hall. Um, if right. you know what I mean, like their distraction caused Hall to to jump in. I get the logic behind. Hall's involvement in that finish. Earlier in the evening, he talked about 1998 not being a good year. He cut a promo in the middle of the ring. That was another thing. He wasn't even on the card in a match. He cut a promo, and then he <laughs> and then he did this spot at the end. Like, if you put Scott Hall in a match with, let's say, Bam Bam Bigelow, you know what I mean? That would have been a, a solid mid-card match to put on Starcade. You know, something that, that yeah. you know what I mean? Instead of, you know, Prince Iakea and Norman Smiley. I mean, come on. But, um... <laughs> to kind of get you know not to not to lose track here uh hall i i the, the theory and the logic behind it is that he was trying to do something or at least as, as a fan we thought he was trying to do something to make up for his damaged friendship with kevin nash and the best thing he could do is help him win the world heavyweight championship um by screwing right. goldberg over and what i liked about the cattle prod thing was the fact that in wrestling, you get the brass knuckles, you get a chair. Back then, they started using tables. You had your standard wrestling gimmick weapons that you would use in a match to decide the, the victor. This one was a little right. bit different, and that's what I liked about it is that it was different. People make, like you said, you call it hokey. Um, the most recent uh, episode of uh, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, he said he would have eliminated the cattle prod as a part of the finish. I didn't mind it at all. Um, it, like I said, it was something different, and it caught you by surprise. It still got people talking to this day. So, I mean, it, it definitely had some kind of effect, whether it was good or bad, on wrestling fans, you know, 20 years later. But um, if there was better follow-through with this story, and and I'll get into that on next week's Kicking Out It too with uh, the Finger Poke mm -hmm. of Doom, um, I think this would have been received better. I, like you, big Kevin Nash fan. One of my top five favorites of all time. Um, yeah. And I felt like he was the most, with, aside from maybe Diamond Dallas Page and Sting, he was probably one of the most believable characters that you could say, I could see that guy in the Goldberg streak. And he did. And they intermingled his issues with Scott Hall into the mix. Like, I think it could have worked out better if there was a, a, a better follow-up from it all. But I didn't mind it at all, and I thought it would have told 
a better story to see Goldberg come back because even as a teenager, as cool as the streak was and seeing him mow through all those guys, it got to a point where at 14 years old, I was like, all right, man, like, you know, he, who else is he going to beat? Who are they going to dig up yeah. to, to have him defeat? Well, and he like continue you said, the, streak, the, big you know? thing, the big thing that I wanted for me, I wanted Brett and Goldberg, which they went the next year. Yeah. But they went in an ass backwards way. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so they could have built it to where he was still beating people and then he ultimately has to beat the guy from the other company. Um, they, I mean, in, yeah. in my opinion, I mean, I could see people getting behind it, but at the same time, like, how, how are you going to sustain another year of undefeated? True. You know what I mean? If anything, maybe, and I'm not trying to play armchair booker here, but maybe if they did a scenario where Goldberg was injured or they gave him some time off and they let him, coo- you know, cool off a little bit and the fans kind of had that opportunity to um, to miss him. And then he were to come right. back and, and say, you know what, I was injured. Nobody's ever beat me. I'm still undefeated. And, you know, I yeah, want that title. And then let's say Brett has the title. And then that's how they could have gone in that, you know, from that direction. Yep. Um, I just yeah. feel like another year of of being undefeated would have really – I mean, people were already starting to, to, to you know – wear off the Goldberg effect with that undefeated streak. So, I mean, another year might have might have maybe even put him in, uh, you know, character purgatory. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Um, okay, so you cover you cover the rest of Starcade 1998. You follow it, you do a watch-along yep. all the way through on your show, Kicking Out at 2 on SoundCloud. Um, anything else from this day that we have highlighted? No, man. I mean, we've covered birthdays, you know, happy birthday to Cesaro, China, Bart Gunn, even Goldberg had a birthday. We covered Starcade 93, 94, 95, 98. We covered Vader's debut at New Japan Pro Wrestling, squashing Antonio Inoki. I think we've covered it all when it comes to December 27th in the history of pro wrestling. I can't really figure out if we've missed anything. I've got one more thing, brother, dude. What's that? On this day in 1983... Hulk Hogan made his return to WWF. Uh, he was on TV, had a match. This was also where they aired the match between Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund, where Bob Backlund submitted or was had had to quit the match due to the Iron Sheik's camel clutch and camel clutch win jabroni. Uh, yeah. Oh wow! Iron Sheik became the WWF champion. That's the one and when uh, Hulk Hogan appeared. The towel? Yep. Okay. And so Hogan, so Hogan debuted on this date. Yep. Wow. Interesting. Yep. This was the Put return, right? The from the AWA. This was the return. Okay. Yep. This was the big return. Wow. So this was all. Everything was set in motion right here. Uh, whew, some thirty something years ago. Christ. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Hulkamania was born. I'm one of the biggest Hulkamaniacs this side of the Northeast, and <laughs> and I didn't even know that. Holy cow! That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, that, yeah, that's the little last detail. And with that being said, Hulkamania is Dead will return. We just recorded episode 11. That's covering WrestleMania 6. And there we're doing fantasy booking, taking, everything's, uh, taking everything off the hands of Vince McMahon. And, you know, we're doing the booking. Um, yeah, so you can find that at Retromania. That'll be coming out right following this episode of 
marking out the days. And I think we've done our due diligence here, Dave. This is a long one. I, I appreciate you sticking in there with me. Oh, man, this has been a lot of fun, and I look forward to uh, our, our, our continued collaboration here on Marking Out the Days. This was definitely a good time. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for allowing me to be a part of this. I, I really look forward to many, many more. Yes, as do I. Thank you again for joining me. I wouldn't have it any other way. And uh, we'll see you guys. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week. January 3rd, that's our day. Yes, that's right. Next Thursday, January the 3rd. Uh, a lot taking place in the world of professional wrestling in uh, RHSA wrestling history on January the 3rd. We'll be celebrating a birthday of WWE Hall of Famer good old JR Jim Ross. All right, as, boomer. As what? Romer Schoner. And then we will, uh, we will also be discussing uh, events taking place on both WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Raw is War from January 3rd, 2000. But here's my favorite that I can't wait to discuss. January 3rd, 1987, Saturday night's main event from my hometown of Hartford, Connecticut. Ooh. What takes place on this special show? One of my favorite steel cage matches of all time as a kid, Hulk Hogan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, where they had the 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 dueling finish where both guys exited the cage at the same damn time. Also on that show, Roddy Piper versus Adorable, Adorable Adrian Adonis, Macho Man Randy Savage versus George the Animal Steel. Uh, who else we got there? Um, uh, yeah, we'll run it all blanket. down next week. Yeah, we can run it all down next week. I, I don't want to waste everyone else's time. But, yeah, we got a loaded show for you guys next week. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Check it out next week. Marking out the days with Kobe yep. and myself. And, Dave, where can we find you at, as always? You can find me every single Wednesday, SoundCloud.com. The show drops every single Wednesday. Like I said, we got the Starcade watch along right now. Next week, we're going to do Trading Places, Finger Poke of Doom versus Mick Foley's world title win. Every single Wednesday, SoundCloud.com, kicking out of two. Social media, if you want to join the fun, Facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. Twitter, our handle is at KickingOut2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. All the fun taking place in retro format, Kicking Out at 2. Awesome, man. Yeah, and you've been posting a lot on Facebook recently. I like all the stuff and some of the gifts that you got for Christmas. Spoiler alert, we recorded this after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, Christmas was very good to me, I, I will say. So, it's awesome, uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll follow up on the next episode. But yeah, as always, you can find me on Retromania. That's at Retromania with a W on Facebook. And we have a little community there. You can also find us on Twitter at Retromania Pod. And then you can always write to us at Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah. And we're always on moholeradio.com. And we'll be back with Hulkamania's Dead. And then we'll catch you next week with Marking Out the Days. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>